Good evening. How's everybody? Put your hand up, put your thumb up if you're in good shape. Put it sideways if you're kind of average and if you're really... Okay. Kind of a mixed bag tonight, I guess. <laughs> so if we could have all of the people outside come in, we're ready to start. So good evening again. My name is Gina Sharp, for those of you whom I've not met. And I feel like I've been away for a long time, so it feels really good to be back and to see some of the faces that I recognize and also to see some new faces. How many of you are new to New York Insight? Ah, lovely. Welcome. It's really lovely to have you here. And to my left is an esteemed colleague whose name is Angel Kyoto Williams, newly transmitted. <laughs> and it's, I'm really delighted that Angel agreed to come tonight um, because I didn't know that she was in town. <clears throat> and we had a um, kind of convocation of teachers from various lineages, lineages today at New York Insight. Um, pretty much an all-day, almost all-day meeting. And um, Angel showed up, and uh, I didn't even know she was in town, so it was delightful that somebody had invited her and knew it was okay to invite her. And she's very graciously um, agreed to teach with me tonight, and I'm really very thrilled. So thank you and welcome, Angel. Thank you for letting me crash the party twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, we always start with um, your saying hello to each other, and uh, as you say hello uh, to as many people as you can around you, um, maybe you could just say one sentence to sort of start reflecting on what brings you here, um, just, to, just so that we can kind of arrive here with some intention. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to just say hello. And uh, you don't have to say what brings you here if you don't want to. But if, but if, if there's something you'd like to share, that's fine too. So please, feel free. And, and the new people, if you could come up and just say hello, that would be great. To me. do is for the people who are new, just so you know, know what to expect. Please program wise. Hello, I haven't seen you in a while. I was thinking about you. Uh, we'll, we'll sit with, and the people who are new to New York Insight, are you also new to meditation? Please raise your hand if you are. So I just need to know. Okay, so we have, we have, 
some people who are new to meditation, so we'll do some full instructions tonight, okay? Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll sit for about 40 or 45 minutes, and then do some movement. Would you do some movement for us? Great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk together. We'll have some discussion together, okay? Great. So allow body, mind, heart, all to arrive here. Notice if there is a way in which you're sitting on your seat that either is anticipating or recoiling. When we anticipate, we kind of lean forward. And when we recoil, we lean back. So just feel your spine and see if your spine is erect in the middle without it being overstretched or stiff, a kind of relaxed, easy feeling of a dignified spine so that we sit like the kings and queens that we are. This kind of royal ease. And part of this royal ease is noticing our shoulders and how we hold them, as shoulders are a way of uh, one of the main places that we put our tension and we hold them up as if they need to be held up. So if you feel the body in that habit of hiking the shoulders up to the ears. Notice that. Notice how uncomfortable that feels. And then, as you are able, allow the shoulders to just drop into the spine quite easily and without tension. You can close your eyes or leave them open. If they're open, you can simply allow your gaze to fall on a spot about four feet in front of you. Easily. Again, no stiffness or tension in the gaze. If you decide to close your eyes, Just allow the upper lid to very gently close on the lower lid. And notice the contact of the two, just what that feels like. Sitting on a chair, allow your both feet to to be flat on the floor, parallel. And if you can, allow the, the uh, lower spine to be supported by the back of the chair, but see if you can 
keep your shoulders off of the chair. And these instructions are a way to allow the body to be in harmony with our practice of meditation in such a way that the energy of the body is maintained at a level that is supportive of the meditation. So if we slump back into the chair, it lowers the energy. Putting the feet flat on the floor allows us to ground. Your hands can be either palms down on the knees or palms up one on top of the other with the thumbs touching. And whatever your choices are should be made with the aim in mind for the body to feel as dignified, as open, and as easeful as is possible. So just notice if there is any place in the body that is tight or tense or holding and allow whatever degree of ease is possible. Sometimes it's not possible to make it completely at ease. And we're not forcing anything by will or making anything happen. Just allowing the posture that is most supportive of a meditative stance. And then notice what mood you've brought into the room. Perhaps joy or anticipation or depression or sadness, irritation or agitation or calm. Just notice how it is to be in this body, however it is without criticizing it or needing it to be different. Just noticing it. See if there's any story in the mind about what may have happened today or yesterday or what might happen tomorrow or in the next moment. Just notice whatever activity the mind is having and see if you can let it go without feeling as if you have to control it or make it disappear. Just allowing whatever thoughts are coming and going to come and go without feeling the need to either feed them or get rid of them. And a 
allowing the attention to fall very simply on the movement of breath in the body. Perhaps you notice the belly rising and falling or the air entering and leaving the nostrils or the chest moving. Wherever you find the breath is fine. Just notice that the body is breathing by itself and our noticing of it is a simple knowing. Nothing extra is needed. No control. No need for the breath to be a particular way. Just the breath breathing and the knowing of it. So the knowing is not a knowing so much that's a story or a description of the breath, but a more felt sense of this body pulsing, moving. So it's not as if we are observing the breath from above, but really knowing it from its actual physical sensations. And however it is, deep or shallow, rough or smooth, The aim of our practice is not so much to make the breath a particular way, but simply to allow the breath to be a kind of organizing principle for attention. Just a way for the uh, sensate body to know itself. In the beginning, the mind may be somewhat active, as it's not yet accustomed to resting. That's not a problem. And there's nothing to change or force. Just allowing uh, thoughts to come and go as if they were a gentle breeze coming in through a window and going out again. Sounds may also appear and disappear. And they too can be known in the same way, like a gentle breeze 
appearing and disappearing, touching in for a moment and leaving. And perhaps at some point a thought comes and takes the attention away, goes down a train of associations. At some point we realize that the mind has been drawn away from the central point, this moment, this moment, this breath. In that moment of realization, we've arrived at a place of mindfulness where we know where the mind is. We're not being dragged by the mind. And in that moment, you can know what it's like to have a mind that's thinking that's discursive, that's telling a story. And just notice, just turning the attention to that. What does it feel like for the mind to be busy and engaged? And perhaps you'll notice that the thought dissipates. And in that moment you can intentionally return the attention to this moment, this breath. It's not a mistake that the mind has wandered away. It's just the nature of how the mind operates. But our aim is to be here, to know exactly what is happening, to know the breath as it's being breathed, to know feelings, emotions, thoughts as they arise and pass away. And to keep returning to this moment. And if we have to do that a thousand times, that's the task of our meditation. It's not a problem, it's not a mistake, it's just how it is. We sit, we see what is coming, we see what is going, and we let things be just as they are, without criticism, judgment, analysis, or commentary.
be seated before we get up. Just inhale, lift your arms up and overhead. Mindful of your neighbor. As you exhale, take a gentle twist to your left, right hand on your left knee, left hand either on the cushion or perhaps the chair behind you. Try to keep your spine tall. Inhale, stretch long through the crown of the head, and exhale gently, looking over your left shoulder. Let's take another deep breath here like this. And a deep breath out. Inhale, sweep your arms up through the center. And exhale, take it very mindfully to the other side. Left hand on the right knee, right hand either on the cushion behind you, perhaps the chair. Lift the spine from the base all the way through the crown of the head, turn your belly button from left to right. Take one more deep breath in and deep breath out. Inhale, stretch your arms back up through the center again. This time, interlace your fingers, turn the palms to face up. Get heavier in your seat as you lift your palms up towards the sky and rest your shoulders down. Good. Take a deep breath in again. And a deep breath out. Good. Your next inhalation, send your arms back in space just a little bit so you can feel an extra stretch in your shoulders, but not an overstraining in the shoulders. And then from there, lift your chest up as if you want to gaze up towards your fingers. Don't drop your chin way back to overexpose the throat. Take one more breath in. And one more breath out. Good. As you bring your heart back from center, take your hands now to clasp behind your neck, tuck the chin into the throat, and just close the elbows gently off the ears. So your elbows come close to your head. Just very gently, perhaps, side to side with the elbows. And you're making a U shape with the elbows. Just feel how the neck is. And come to your maximum degree of your own stretch in your neck. And then slowly come back to center. Release your hands with the chin to parallel. We'll just roll the shoulders back a couple of times. And then roll the shoulders forward. Squeeze your shoulders up to your ears. And very gently come up to stand. We'll just do a couple of poses standing up to stretch out the legs. First, let's stretch out the sides of the body. So go ahead and inhale, stretch your right arm up. When you stretch your right arm up, take a peek at your toes at first. Make sure your second and third toes are pointing forward like a number 11. You press heavy into your right foot as you lean over to the left. Try not to push your right hip to the right. You want to lift the side of the rib. Good. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. So you can reach with your ribs more than you're reaching with your arm. One more breath in. And one more breath out. Nice job. Slowly back through center. Let's come ahead the other side. So inhale, stretch your left arm up. Get heavy in your left foot. Lift up and out of your waistline as you gently lean to your right. And again, just check out if the stretch is coming in the arm socket. Can the stretch originate all the way from the foot? all the way up to the ribs, neck relaxed. One more breath in, and out. And slowly release, good. From here, you're gonna take your right foot and step your right foot forward. Maybe you'll step to the side of the chair, yeah. <laughs> and then go ahead and bend your right knee, take your hands on your hips. So you wanna make sure that the back foot feels steady on the ground, so the whole back foot is on the ground. 
You want to bend your knee in a way so the knee comes right over your ankle. So it's the modified warrior one. If you practice yoga, this is called warrior one. You can either stay here with your hands on your hips, or you're going to go ahead and inhale, stretch your arms up. So you can make more weight, make, make more of your weight in your back foot than your front foot. And stretch out through both sides of the ribs now. Take a full breath in. And as you exhale, again, take your arms back in space just a little bit. And then lift your heart up towards the ceiling. Take one more breath in. And one more breath out. Good. And slowly release your hands. Straighten your front knee. And then so you can step your back foot forward to meet the right. Good. And then this time you're going to step your right foot back. If you feel like you need a longer or shorter stance, make that adjustment for yourself. And bend your left knee now in a way that the knee tracks right over the ankle. So you don't want your knee to be going past <laughs> your ankle. And your knee tracking over your second and third toe. Hands on the hips. And see, again, if you can shift more of the weight into your back foot than in your right foot. And, and, and then in your front foot. And then inhale, stretch your arms all the way up. Press down heavy into your feet. Lift up and out of the waistline. And then you can tilt your heart up towards the ceiling as you take your arms back in space. So don't overexpose the throat. Take the chin in slightly. Relax the back of the neck. There you go. Good. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Good. Slowly release your hands. Straighten your front knee. And then so you can bring your back foot up. Separate your feet a little wider than hip distance apart. Bend your knees slightly. I'm going to tuck the chin into the throat and very gently take your time and roll down. So keep the knees bent. Make sure when you're bending the knees, they're tracking over your second and third toe. Keep the chin tucked in as if the crown of the head wants to aim down towards the ground. Doesn't matter how far forward you bend in your spine. If it feels more comfortable to bend the knees more, bend the knees more. So you want to feel like you can hang out in this pose for a long time. We're not going to, but just as if the feeling was that. Drip the back of the neck down. Relax your fingers. So you can let the entire spine release. So you can access a deeper breath. Two more breaths like that. Inhale. And exhale. One more. Inhale. And exhale. Everyone, please bend your knees more generously now. Retuck the chin into the throat and then very slowly making your way up. Go as slow as you can. Really take your time to stack the bones of the spine one on top of another and let the head be the last thing to come up. Good. And then we'll roll the shoulders back a couple more times. Roll the shoulders forward. Squeeze your shoulders up to your ears and exhale. Good. One more time. Inhale. Squeeze the shoulders up. And exhale. So these days I'm not so fond of the long Dharma talk. Not because I'm lazy. But because I feel that It's important that students feel empowered in their own practice. That it's an interesting relationship we have as student and teacher. 
student and teachers tonight, which is, in a way, a kind of um, you light a fire for your in your own life in your own practice, and then you investigate ways of keeping that fire bright. And when you encounter a teacher, hopefully that teacher supports you in um, intending your fire so that it doesn't go burn out of control, but at the same time it stays, it, it, it continues to burn and keep everything um, warm. These days I'm uh, feeling quite uh, contemplative about the purpose of our practice together. And in my own life and my own practice, renewing my understanding of what it is I'm doing when I enter into a contemplative uh, space. What my intention is, what my view is, And to keep remembering what brings me here to this space as a student. And I'd like to invite you to do that same reflection. Because what can happen in practice for those of you who've been practicing for a while, and I know there are a few uh, beginners here or a few people that are new to this practice, and so this is relevant to you too. You may need to adjust the language I'm using to reflect your own situation. But as we've practiced, we, when we practice for a while, we start to perhaps be carried along by the momentum of our practice. And the practice can become just as habitual as uh, everything else in our lives. There isn't a freshness, a kind of aliveness, a presence, an immediacy of what is true in this moment. Which, of course, is... is, um, reliant also on what brought us here in the first place. But as we all know, if you've, especially if you've been practicing for a while, things are constantly changing. And so I'm, I'm inviting a kind of reflection about what brought you here in the first place. And then what keeps you here. Because those can be two very different things. And both reflections are useful 
in the sense that uh, the the Buddha's teaching, which as 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 many of you know, is centered on what we call the teaching of the Four Noble Truths. That what we notice is the unsatisfactoriness of things as they are. And when I, when I say that, I don't mean that things shouldn't be the way they are. What I mean is that we notice a kind of discomfort that we all have with the way things are unfolding or what's happening or um, relationships, jobs, uh, circumstances, all kinds of ways in which um, life unfolds, not the way we would wish it to unfold. And so there's a kind of dissatisfaction with what's happening And then as we enter into practice, we begin to look at, um, according to the Buddha's teachings, we begin to look at what, um, what, what the cause of that discomfort or unsatisfactoriness or um, in the Pali word dukkha, what the cause of it is. And we notice that It usually is because we want things to be a particular kind of way, right? And uh, somehow it never turns out that way. You notice that? We like warm weather and it turns out to be cold or, you know, just to be really superficial about it. Or we like it to be still and it's windy or we like it to be, you know, summer and it's winter. And when winter comes, we say... When summer comes, we say, well, it's too hot. We'd really wish that it would become spring, and and spring comes. Then we don't want it to go because spring is so beautiful, and the flowers are out, and the colors are right, and the temperature is right, and the breeze is just right, and then what happens? Spring ends. Summer comes again. So you know what I mean, right? So there's this feeling of we want things to be a certain way, and somehow it doesn't cooperate. And so we suffer. And then as, as we delve deeper into our practice, we begin to notice, oh, if I start to let go, as uh, my teacher's teacher said, if I let go a little, I have a little peace. And if I, have, if I let go a lot, I have a lot of peace. And then if I let go completely, I have complete peace. And then we kind of delve into, well, you know, how, does, how do we do that? How do we, how do we let go in a way that's genuine and um, it's kind of tricky because we let go because we want things to be a particular way, right? So we think we kind of trick ourselves and we think, well, if I let go, then it's going to be the way I want it to be, right? And then we get back right back into that circle. Of, oh, 
I want it to be a certain way and it's not that way and so I suffer and then I have to let go. But if I let go and I want to let go, then, you know, and we go around and around in the circle. So there has to be a genuine kind of letting go into what is true and, and what is and a way of uh, knowing life in a, in a genuine way, coming close to what's true, whether it's as we want it to be or not. So I, I'm, I'm going to let Angel kind of speak to what is on her mm-hmm. mind, too. But I'd, I'd like to just invite you to do a little bit of a reflection of what brings you here. And is it that? Is it what I just described, that kind of, you know, and we can talk about that in a much deeper way, obviously, but just to seed your thinking right now. What, what brings you here? What keeps you here? Or what makes you want to go? Because sometimes we don't want to be here because it gets really quite uncomfortable sometimes when we draw close to what is difficult or what we don't like or what we don't want. And what keeps us here anyway is an understanding that sometimes that's exactly the process that's needed. And that getting comfortable with things is not necessarily the long of long-term benefit, maybe of short-term benefit, but not of long-term benefit. And what brings you joy in this process? So, you know, so we're not always so focused on suffering that we forget that uh, liberation or the freedom from the suffering really is um, the, the fabric of it is joy. So what, what brings you joy that is deep and genuine, not kind of, you know, vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream, but what really brings your, feeds, your nurtures, your body, mind, heart, and soul? Because these are difficult times that we're living in. And so they call for, they call for a, a, a deeper reflection, a deeper understanding of what it means to be alive in these human bodies and how, how we will work with that, both singly, individually, and in community together, because we're not disconnected from each other. And our happiness cannot, in many ways, can't just be individual or singular happiness, but a real inclusion of our contribution to this world and to the happiness of others. So I I just wonder, Angel, if you'd like to add or talk about something completely different. (laughs) That's also very fine. We were talking... um before the the session this evening about what we would talk about and had both arrived at the conclusion that we had not much to 
say, like we didn't have something we wanted to like, I want to sit here and tell you something. Um, and, and as it always is, um, when someone shares the Dharma as Gina has, you know, it inspires, um, sort of calls up, I think is more accurate, calls forth, um, uh, just a, a myriad of things. I was thinking about, um, I, um, so one of them quickly is that I, it's funny because someone mentioned it. And also I just wrote a, a short commentary that appeared in, um, that's in this winter's issue of Buddha Dharma magazine. And um, the, the crux of it is kind of similar um, to the question that um, Gina's asking us all to look at. Um, I was really commenting on being faced with, <laughs> it's probably the best way that I could say it, um, having right in front of me was this was the ceremony that we have in in Zen, where um, I was formally formally acknowledged as a teacher, and there are only um, now two African American women um, after all these years, <laughs> um, and and the the other one is on the cover of Tricycle magazine that's sitting on the table over there. So if you haven't had a chance to. Um, just gaze upon her, you should. But the commentary um, is really about, um, for, for me, was really about like, oh, I got here to this practice because this, this uh, sense of unsatisfactoriness um, that I couldn't shake and um, I, I think most of us, in some ways, even when, when we don't know how to articulate it, that is the the root of what brings us to to practice. I'm just projecting. Um, but then the the and, and I think we could all you know speak to that and should. Um, I was really trying to get at there, like what what keeps me what keeps me here and what keeps me here in my practice in particular in the face of the um, particularities of Buddhism as it is being and or had had been and is still being presented largely in America. Um, it doesn't look the way this room looks, which <laughs> is um, <laughs> one of the reasons it's such a delight to be here. And my my chafe um, is that, um, and it's a constant uh, challenge uh, or sort of question for me to work with. Is like, what makes me stay here? What makes me stay here? Because there's so it, there's so many invitations to leave. It's you know it's pretty overwhelming. Um, I spent most of my Dharma life growing up having to brace myself to enter into a space uh, to practice, even with people that I knew and had grown um, a, a real sense of 
connection to and and love for. I didn't grow up with a sense of like, oh, but I belong here. Mm. So my need to reinvest myself in my practice, in my practice, over and over again was not a luxury. It was something that I that I had to do and that I had to do consciously in order to create enough space, a little piece, to let a little bit go so that I could actually be there, so that I could um, be present enough to myself within this experience of otheredness, of being othered. you know, really throughout most of my, my, my practice life. I wouldn't trade it now. I, I, I don't wish it for anyone, but I wouldn't trade it now. Uh, because it, it has developed for me a fierceness, a fierceness about my relationship to my practice that I that I deserve it, that I have a responsibility to it. So I have a right to it and I have a responsibility to it. And probably most of all, that whatever came with me as I entered into and left spaces, uh, was that it wasn't only for me, right? that, I, that I wasn't, it was my practice and it wasn't only for me. It was truly on behalf of all of the, the people in my life that I felt like I left and I was leaving in order to be where I was at, right? that, I, that there is this experience that I think whether we're lay or ordained or monastic, that there is this home leaving that takes place. We leave um, a construct of our identity as it it was and start peeling up these layers to discover who we are. And then we spend the rest of our practice life figuring out how to be that, where I am, (laughs) still. Uh, So I think this this inquiry is, can seem, Gina says it in such a lovely way that it can almost escape like how intensely important it is for us to do that and to seize it as an opportunity, to, to really seize this opportunity and not just sort of like, yeah, what got me here? Why do I stay here? But like, what's this about? Like, what's, what's up? <laughs> what's up? What's going on with me? 
right, that we invest in that kind of rigorous attention to what binds us to this practice and a rigorous attention to the places that don't feel connected so we can seal up those gaps so that we can be here fully, so that we can be here in a way that is present uh, that, and, and it doesn't leave part of ourselves behind, that we give ourselves full permission to be here and don't kind of cop out like, oh, well, you know, there are good people here and it's good vibes. It's, it's great movement. <laughs> Right? Like all of that is great. All of it is great. And wow, it's so delightful to have the opportunity to be in spaces in which the, the, the initial questions are, <laughs> is it okay for me to be here? Right? Just on the literal face of it, literally. So I think we should do that together and, and just with the... Um, with the reminder is what I'd like to offer the reminder that it is a fire it is a fire in your in your belly um, that needs to be tended to and those of us that are by some you know odd twist of circumstances sitting in the front of the room at this particular moment um, can't do it for you Right. We, can, we can't tend that fire for you. We can support you. Uh, but you, know, you have to know for, for, for what the, the fire burns. It reminds me of, a, um, of that principle in Dharma called Samvega, mm-hmm. which is spiritual urgency, which... We're exhorted to practice like our hair's on fire. Right? I love that image. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think certainly as I'm getting a little bit longer in the tooth and getting older, I'm, I'm really appreciating Samvega. You know, that as we get older and... and begin to, to look into what it's about. Uh, that really what gets stripped away is all of the, you know, the, the kind of, all of the ways in which we've blinded ourselves so that we're not really seeing the true nature of life and its impermanence and, you know, that beautiful um, reflection that I that I now do every morning. I start my practice with the remem- the memory or the remembrance that the days and nights are relentlessly passing. Mm. How am I spending my time? And so th- it's th- so that brings up the sense of samvega, of practicing like my hair is on fire. Mm. So, I, can I just share one yeah, thing? please. In the, um, I often share, we have Zen, we have all kinds of 
chants that we do and sometimes we don't do. And, but we have one. We sort of did this whole process in our community. We sort of stripped everything back and said, really, what's important here? And we're trying to discard cultural overlays from Japan and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but one of the things that always stuck is we had this, uh, it's called an evening verse. And it just occurred to me that the evening verse um, really speaks to this spiritual urgency. Um, and it basically says, um, time passes swiftly by and opportunity is lost. Awaken, do not squander your life. And when you were saying that spiritual urgency, I, I just had this sort of flash back to when I lived in New York and they would, you know, play this drum sound like talk, talk, talk. And it was like, it sounded like it's like a clock. Clock, talk, 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 talk. And the first time I heard it, it was like, you know, I was like on my cushion. And then I was like, whoa. And, and every night that evening verse is spoken. Um, and so as we do this contemplation, I, I encourage you to, to, to find the place of rest on, on that thing that like lifts, lifts you up, that calls you back um, into the place of urgency, not so that you can be anxious and aggressive and like weird about your practice or overreaching. You know, I love that. Like, you know, it's not, you're not like reaching after something. You're not recoiling, but that you're upright, that you allow yourself to be upright and, and, and willing to hold that and know that that's a dynamic place um, that should stay and be kept alive. So would you like to do it? Yeah? So before we do it, is there is there anybody who... I'm, I'm concerned that we have beginners and that you may not know what on earth we're talking about. <laughs> but I have a feeling that we're, what, we're really, what we're really talking about is being human, so... To that extent, you know exactly what we're talking about. And yet, um, there you may have a question or some need for clarification. So, is there someone who has a question that you would like answered now? Yes, please. Um, I wasn't sure, but I always remember um, you need to find what's it going for. What's the what? Something is burning. You need to find what that is burning for. Mm. Mm. So when I said the fire, what I what I what I what I meant by that, maybe Angel Angel has something different too that she can address. Um, that there's that there's something in your life. That there's something that comes up for you that feels as if there's something that you need to do, and you need to do it now that uh, living life in a particular way may be okay. And yet there is a need to go deeper, to understand what, what we're doing here, how we're spending our time here, 
and some sense of um, depth and of um, urgency, some feeling of urgency and the need to really understand what it means to be alive in this human body with these feelings, these thoughts, this history, this culture, this, um, these parents, this family, this career, this partner, this job, this what, whatever it is, whatever it is we think we're doing, how that fits into a larger sense of being human and alive. And not only, and, and there's one layer of individuality in that inquiry. And there's also another layer, which is um, the layer of our connectedness to each other and to a larger community in which we play a very important part. So we were talking today among the gathering of teachers that we had about a sutta called the, uh, I always mispronounce this, the uh, Avatamsaka Sutra. Yes. Um, and it's, it, and what it is, is it, it, it describes the world as what's called Indra's net, the net of Indra, in which every node in the net is a jewel. And so because this vast net is covering the world, every node reflects all of the other nodes. So not only are the jewels all tied together by the net, but they all include each other and all of the other jewels. So through that, what I understand from that is that everything in this world affects me. But what is really even more um, germane to how I live my life is that everything that I do affects the net. The net can't be pulled in one place without everything else vibrating. Once you touch the net here, everything vibrates and so is affected. So if we, live, if we live from that perspective, then a fire burns, both in terms of one's own individual and personal happiness, which is important, but also in terms of what one contributes to the, to the vast net in which we are all inextricably connected and from which we cannot fall. Does that help? So thank you. I just want to remind you that there is a, um, there is a Donna box in the back of the room, and as you all, most of you already know, that that's, we don't charge for these um, sessions, these these sitting groups, and but we do rely on on your support um, financially 
energetically, communally, in every way. And so I thank you, Lupe, for your comments about um, supporting the center and and supporting um, supporting the teachers also. So thank you so much for your attention and for the beautiful practice that you do. And it's always such a heart-opening and heartwarming experience to sit with this group. Thank you so much. Get home safely. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.